Welcome from the Music City Center, Nashville, Tennessee. We're here at the EMS World Expo, the largest EMS dedicated event in the world. This is EMS World Presents Stories from Expo. Your story continues here. Hello, we're here at EMS World Expo in Nashville. This is the EMS Garage slash EMS World podcast kind of mashup double team. I'm here with Gustavo Flores, who is speaking on the manage of pre-hospital management of the sepsis patient. Um, what's the if what's the elevator pitch? <laughs> so, as you all know, sepsis uh, kills is the number one killer of patients in the ICU, and uh, I would say that there is a disconnect between the magnitude of the problem and the awareness that many EMS providers have of um, likelihood that this patient will be dead in 12 hours, 18 hours from their initial first contact. And uh, there is a renewed interest in timely management. There are some uh, standards that have stirred a lot of controversy, but regardless of what um, the hospital uh, standards mandate or not, um, our involvement with the septic patient at the pre-hospital level is a golden opportunity to think about sepsis on, on a patient that is uh, has an altered mental status, is hypotensive, you have no idea why, has a vague chief complaint, and uh, when when further assessed we can easily identify this as a potential organ failure uh, patient and start giving fluids, activating the sepsis alert, and so on, and dramatically improve the, the chances that this patient will receive timely antibiotics and uh, uh, aggressive critical care, the right care right now. So do you have recommendations or, I mean, there's Sears protocol or, and there's uh, uh, how far do you should we getting should we be getting lactate uh, meters on the truck? I mean, so that that's a good question, and, and and there's a little bit of history behind, you know, the the the, the, the definitions that were last updated uh, in 2016. The third definition of sepsis, updated in uh, January 2016, uh, came after 25 years since Sears came out in 1991. So. The reason Series in 91 was so important is it gave us a tangible recommendation, something we can, we can chew on to work on the potentially septic patient. You have an infection and you have SERS, you have sepsis. Now we know that SERS isn't adequate to recognize that some patients are in organ failure and that's where QSOFA comes into play. So QSOFA meaning a shortened version, uh, a, a screening tool, if you want to call it that way, for patients who will develop organ failure. Now, the thing with organ failure is that not all patients who have a serious infection have organ failure. That doesn't mean that they don't need immediate care. So QSOFA is, tells us about the subset of patients that are very, very sick. It's not, it's not sensitive enough for the full spectrum. It's good, it's good enough for the patients that are really, really, really at the higher risk end of the, spe of the spectrum. So I would say it's a whole gestalt of SERS, uh, um, entitled CO2, QSOFA, 
that gives you the whole uh, perspective of what's going on with this patient. There is no single marker that says you have a septic patient. You have a, you have a clinical scenario that when taken into consideration, you're looking at a patient who has a very high mortality, even higher than a STEMI, higher, uh, higher uh, risk of death. Therefore, we need to make sure that we are looking at all those uh, elements uh, in an in, in a, in integrated, you know, not just one of them isolated. And would you say uh, that kind of the recognition of sepsis as an acute and very high mortality um, condition, like uh, like a STEMI, right? Because everyone likes to treat their STEMIs. Right. Um, if we can get, is it a culture? Not only just we need to get the protocols and the and the treatment of it, but also a culture to say, hey, this is this is that call that you want to make a difference on. So let me let me give you a tangible example or a clear example that we can all relate. We know anaphylaxis kills you, right? And anaphylaxis kills you not because of the allergic reaction itself. It's it's, it's your body's reaction to you know that that allergen that suddenly begins to kill you. So it's not the energy, it's your body's reaction that kills you. So in this case, it's not the infection, it's your body's reaction to the infection that kills you. So sepsis is equivalent of anaphylactic, uh, of anaphylaxis for the uh, infected patient. So people think about uh, uh, infection like a pneumonia and sepsis being the same thing. Well, the infection is triggering the body's reaction, but it's the body's reaction, the real medical emergency here, just like an allergy is not a medical emergency, anaphylaxis is, and it's just because it's a severe allergy, it's because your body is killing you at the same time. So understanding, understanding the difference and understanding that just because you have an infection doesn't mean you have sepsis. You're screening for sepsis um, and being aware of it is critical. I can, I can perfectly understand somebody saying, I don't think this patient is septic because X, Y, Z. That would be great because they're they're thinking critically. They're saying, I don't think there is sepsis. We can argue whether that's right or wrong, but they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. greatest concern right now is that people are not thinking about sepsis at all. They might be thinking, well, abdominal pain, you know, a little bit hypovolemic. Maybe they're just dehydrated. Like think sepsis. Yeah. Well, and it's easy to it's easy to kind of write off a confused uh, elderly patient in a nursing home as oh that's that's just their baseline, but. They're probably not calling because they're normally confused. And it's so common, sepsis is so common when you look at um, uh, patients that are high risk, the elderly as well as uh, the uh, uh, very small infants, that it, it probably happens, it, we know it happens a lot. Now, it, it ha we, we, we interact with patients that are at risk of or already developed organ failure far more common than we are aware of because we're not recognizing it. So again, it's, it's a matter of, yes, this patient is at risk. We're not thinking about it enough. We need to start doing it. Obviously, this will increase the number of patients we're calling in as potentially septic um, or meeting, meeting clear you know, guidelines to initiate resuscitation. Um, so, and it, it does happen a lot. So if you're not considering on a regular basis to patients like that, uh, I mean, yeah, they're, they're always having altered mental status because of uh, pre-existing conditions, but the caretaker might say, yeah, but today's different. Yeah. And, and for instance, elderly patients don't have a, they don't have a, a good immune system. So they're not likely to mount a very well 
uh, you know, a very dramatic uh, inflammatory response. So you might not even see a fever. You might not even see the, uh, the, the typical classical uh, serious signs and symptoms. And they would still be having the same reaction to the, to the infection. And so I, I have another question, and that would be, you get, you get services to recognize it, and you get it to be on the radar. How important is early treatment, even if you can only get like 200 you know, mils of fluid? And I say that because like you could find a metro service, or you might find a metro service that says, well, why do I need to start? And I'll be in the hospital two to five. So it's called system of care. Yeah. So when you're looking at, so the same thing happens for trauma, STEMI, stroke, sepsis. When you're looking at system of care, you're looking at not you as a provider, you got to look at the patient. So our metrics should, shouldn't be based on the individual provider. They should be based on patient and patient outcomes. So when we're looking at uh, starting care, it may not necessarily include anything you have to do. It may be well, simply activating because at any given time, a typical ER may have 10, 15 patients you could classify as critical. And uh, that's not an excuse for not paying attention to patients that are critical, but at this given time, that is your patient. Your, your eyes and ears and all your five senses are in tune with this patient that is critical. So, so you don't want the patient to slip in into a busy system and not being recognized as a critical patient when they actually were. So all you needed was a few eyes and ears looking at the patient and saying, um, this patient actually has sepsis and we should bump the, the acuity of this patient. And when you have a system of care, then you recognize, well, this patient, uh, this hospital, hospital A has a sepsis alert protocol and we can activate them as opposed to hospital B or C. So that triggers a different response from your your uh, pre-hospital provider uh, that potentially could save this patient's life. Right, right. I mean, you're not going to take a, a STEMI patient to a, a hospital exactly. without a cath lab. Exactly. Um. So it's not about you doing the thrombolysis or you doing the, uh, we can talk about cath lab activation, pre-hospital <laughs> cath lab activation or not, regardless, you're talking about, you're still looking at a system of care and mm -hmm. you're saying, what can I do for this patient? So I like, I like, I like one of the slides from the PHLS uh, uh, course that says, so what's this, what, the, what kind of shock this patient has? You know, what's the ultimate, the definitive treatment? Where is it located? And what can or should I do from now till I get there? So once you understand this patient is septic and you know this patient, ha this hospital has a great ICU program with a great, good sepsis alert protocol, and uh, you know that, that this is, these, these are the core elements, like starting to give 30 mils per kilo of fluid, starting to uh, you know, measure lactate, start to optimize organ perfusion, we can start doing those things in the, in the, in the, in the time frame in which this is my only patient and all my attention is dedicated to this individual. Perfect. Well, so, uh, I appreciate you coming and, and, and talking to us. I, I look forward to, to seeing your uh, presentation tomorrow. Um, if, one, if, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, ask questions, kind of, you know, learn how they themselves, if they're a hospital administrator or otherwise, or EMS, um, give a work email that they could... Yes, uh, you can find me in social media. Uh, my uh, handle is gflores911. Uh, pretty much that, that covers Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I also learned that um, the Sepsis Alliance has a partnership with the National Association of EMTs. And you're going to start hearing some other 
um, information from the Sepsis Alliance. You can log into sepsis.org and you can find more information about this, just like uh, there is also information on the Surviving Sepsis campaign on uh, survivingsepsis.org. Uh, there, there, there are a couple of resources out there that um, may be focused towards in-hospital providers, but when you look at the system of care, again, it's no longer about who you are is about or what you do, it's about what this patient needs. If, if you can deliver that particular care, then you do it. If you cannot deliver that particular set of care, your job is to make sure somebody comes on board or you take this patient to the place where they can start doing it as quickly as possible. Great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, if you have more questions about sepsis, you can certainly find him on social media or go to uh, sepsis.org. Sepsis.org, right? yeah. Uh, and for more videos and information on uh, EMS World content, uh, stay around, click on links on this page. Uh, I'm Aaron Gutzman, and this is the EMS World Podcast slash EMS Garage Podcast.